Okay, you guys, welcome back. This is Morgan Zeggers from Young Americans Against Socialism highlighting another amazing survivor story. This is a story of courage, of determination, of sacrifice. And honestly, it's it's like a thriller because part of her story is the moment her assassin sent by the leader of the communist country that was sent to kill her, the moment he points the gun at her face, what does she do? She goes to the gospel and she changes this man's heart. I don't want to give too much away. I know I just kind of like teased a little bit of it right there, but let's just give you her bio and then we'll get right on into the conversation with this fantastic woman. Virginia Prodan is an international human rights attorney, a sought after international keynote speaker and a published author at Tyndall House Publishers, Victoria Consultant, and she's the host of a podcast called Courageous Leadership. Born and raised in socialist and communist Romania, she graduated from Bucharest Law School and as an attorney, Virginia dared in socialist Romania to defend religious and human rights cases exposing the dictator to the world. For this act of treason, because that's treason in that country, she was kidnapped, beaten, tortured, placed under house arrest, and came within seconds of being executed under the orders of the dictator himself. After being exiled as a political refugee to the United States, and she learned English once she got here, Virginia graduated from SMU Law School in Dallas, Texas, with a doctor, JD degree, and a master of law degree. Now, Virginia Prodan's compelling story of courage in the face of intimidation and even death on behalf of others is a testament to her unwavering wavering faith in a God who delivers. Her memoir, Saving My Assassin, was published by Tyndall House Publishers. Virginia speaks in the U.S. and around the world. You will be inspired by her confidence and courage in the Lord. Virginia trains and equips others about the cruelty of socialism how to fight for freedom, how to unleash the overcomer in you to live a life of significance by design. Virginia aims to change 1 million lives by 2031. As the host of Courageous Leadership, her podcast, she helps people to discover the reality of socialism, the hidden potential of the freedom of capitalism, and how to accomplish your goals, achieve what matters most, and keep America free. Let's get right into it because it's an amazing, amazing story and I want you guys to learn as much as you can. I will give one quick shout out though. She has an amazing book, as I mentioned in her bio, called Saving My Assassin. She changed the heart of the man pointing the gun at her face who was a true believer of the communist regime and thought he was doing a good thing by going to kill her. She went right to the Bible and she started speaking it out loud and it changed his heart. And he wrote an entire chapter in her book about what it was like to escape this communist country, to go through these challenging, challenging times. Her assassin, would-be assassin, wrote a chapter in this book. So I am, the book is already on the way for me. I will be reading the book. I encourage all of you to go read the book. I don't promote books lightly because some of them are just pointless. Some of them are for people to make money. Who knows? I do not just promote any free book that's sent my way. I bought this book myself. I will be reading this book and I encourage you, if you're a parent, I encourage you to read it to your kids. I encourage everyone to read it. Now, let's get into this interview. Let's get started. We have uh, lots of things in common. Uh, your, your father was a Marine. 
Yep, he's in the military, yeah. Yeah, and my son-in-law is a Marine, and my son is an Air Force graduate. He is a rescue pilot in the United States Air Force. Oh, that's and, amazing. Um, where Where do they live now? Uh, one lives in D.C. Where, where do you live? I live in Arizona. I have a house in Texas, and my dad's in the reserves now, the Army Reserves, out of Utah. Uh-huh. Well, when you come to uh, Dallas, I would love to see you. Uh, I, I will definitely let you know. I go there often. I have a house in Bernie, Bernie, Texas, right above San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So that's that's currently technically home. But um, I I would love to get started. And for now, me, I, I want to mention one thing. Oh, no yeah? matter what I'm going to say, I am not going to be able to cover what this book is all about. Oh, for sure. And if yeah. we will definitely send the link to everybody yes. and we're going to mm -hmm. include that it's so that people can be, listen. And the reason we I will be talking about is the reason is that my assassin was a communist. And I don't know if you read the book, but he wrote a chapter in my book. And in the book, he explained how the communist uh, capture his soul and make uh, a horrible person to kill and do all kinds of things. And it's so important for people to read because uh, they have no idea. They have no idea. I, I hope everybody that listens to this and I, I will continue to spread it. I do a lot of college campus speeches and so I'll be sure to bring it up there as well so that all the students can hear about it. All right, well, we're recording and um, we're ready to get started. If you could give a, a quick intro for just to kind of set the stage and kind of explain uh, your background story. And then we'd love to get into what you've experienced in your life. Well, um, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Um, <laughs> I grew up in socialist and communist Romania. I remember growing up and being really small but still understanding what people around me were saying or not saying. I remember being six years old and watching my parents being politically correct outside of home, uh, not only my parents but everybody around being very politically correct, giving away their rights, but inside the home I will hear them whispering how horrible the government was and uh, the fact that tomorrow the government will ask more rights from them. And as a child watching them, I was petrified. I, was, I felt so insecure. I felt like my life didn't count for my parents because they were not strong enough to defend me if something happened. And, for the government, I was nothing. But also I discovered that a fire started to burn inside of me. And I wanted to find out why the adults around me know the truth, but they are too afraid to speak about the truth. And I wanna say to your audience, stop just a little bit and think about your actions and your attitude are important to people around you, coming from maybe your children to your relatives, to people around you. Are you spreading courage and determination to fight for the freedom that we receive in America like nowhere 
in the world? Or are you spreading fear and ready to give up all the rights? That little tiny girl that watched my parents in terror is saying to you today, no, fight. Fight for something beautiful that we receive, America's freedom. Going back wow. to this. <laughs> wow. Now, can I just ask too, why were your parents so scared at that moment? Did you ever find out or was it, would they be thrown in jail? Would they be ostracized from the public circle? What would the, the punishment be for them if they had spoken out? The, they were afraid that they would lose their job. They were afraid that the government will uh, uh, put them on the blacklist. Um, and sometimes I believe like humans, we like humans, sometimes we magnify what if, and we stop living and being fearful. So um, and in the same time, I, I watched later on in life, uh, people that spoke up, you know, being put to jail or disappearing or, and that was because at that time, socialist and communist government already was in power. And when the government is in power, they, the government builds, socialist and communist government builds an army that there is no freedom, takes, you know, guns from you, takes all the, uh, freedom and you, you become a puppet. But at that time, as a six years old, I remember also I had lots of relatives, uh, lawyers, and they were um, answering questions all the time at our family reunion, you know, about different questions. And I was thinking, but they were not courageous to speak up. But still, because I look at them and I thought they have answers to all those questions. So in my mind, I thought I found the solution. I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to find the truth and I'm going to speak up for the truth. So I went to law school and um, I want to say when people read Saving My Assassin, my book, I want them to pay attention because I know there are lots of lies, uh, lots of brainwashing of young people and people of all ages about socialism. In socialists and communists, you do not decide your profession, not at all. In socialists and communists, the government is the one who decides your profession. At that time, I, I didn't know anything about this, and I am so grateful that I didn't know. I didn't know that before the government will allowed me to take the entrance test to law school, they will look in my file. Let me explain what the file means. From the time that you're born, from the time that you die, the communist socialist government has a file on you and put all kinds of things, and you have no access to correct a mistake or something but they were looking for three things in in my file the first one was if my parents organized outside of home any kind of uh, revolt against the the socialist communist um, government the second one was if my parents were ever 
ever reported by their own children for saying something inside of home. And the third one was if my parents were Christians. So I passed the test and I went to law school. I graduated after four years in law school. And again, when you graduate from law school in socialist or a communist country, you don't pick and choose like in capitalist. The government decides for you. So I became an attorney and for a year and a half or something, I was very determined with everything that I learned from law books to practice in, in a courtroom. So every morning I will go full of hope, thinking that with everything that I learned, I'm going to find the truth and speak up for the truth. And after a year and a half, I remember coming to my office and um, being very discouraged. I am not a quitter. I am a fighter. But that day I was so discouraged. I put my briefcase on my assistant desk and I said to her, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I can't find the truth. And she looked up at me like, what are you dreaming? Are you leaving somewhere else? Come back to reality. And she gave me three files and she said, three clients will come to see you. One is already in your office. So very disappointed, I took the files and I went inside of my office and I recognized going inside of my office, the client that was there. I have been working with him for a long time. And something was different about that client. But I always said to myself, this client, it's a little bit crazy. I need to fix him. Because in a land of hopelessness, he was full of hope. In a land of um, lack of joy, he had joy and confidence. And I didn't never understood. I, I thought I labeled him crazy. And I, I thought that's my job that one day I'm going to fix him. But I always have clients after clients and I never had the time to do it. But that day, as I walk in my office, I stood at my desk, I looked straight into his face, full of joy, full of peace. And I remember all of a sudden saying to him, I wish I had in my life what you have in your life. And he looked up at me and said, do you go to church? And I stare at him thinking, I knew you are crazy. I don't know why I ask you this question, because I didn't see any connection between going to church and having joy and peace and all those things. But he wrote something on, uh, on a piece of paper and said, would you come to our church next Sunday? And all of a sudden I hear myself saying, yes, I'm going to come to your church. The craziest thing that a lawyer in socialist communist Romania would say. Why? Because a month before the dictator Nicolae Ceausescu declared himself God and required us to worship him alone. And here I am saying, yes, I don't know what you're doing at your church, but I will come there. I was that determined. And more than that, next Sunday I was at his church. 
And I remember the pastor opening the Bible and saying, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And that day, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I also understood that it was God who put the fire in me. And it was God who appointed me to find the truth, Jesus Christ, who is a real God, not a notion in a law book. <laughs> and from that day on, I didn't have to look for clients because nobody will take clients like who will take uh, Bibles from one church to another just to transport the Bible from a church to another for vacation Bible schools or churches who will ask the government to allow them to maintain the church. And the government will put them on the waiting list until the church will be in such a disrepair that the government will say, oh, your, your building is in such a disrepair, we need to demolish and take your land. And many, many other cases. Uh, doctors who will give a prescription to, uh, to their clients and with the prescription, a little note of uh, a Bible verse. Many of them were put in jail or threatened to uh, um, lose their jobs as teachers and, and others. So I defended those, those, uh, those clients and surely and shortly after that, I became the target of the communist government who will uh, arrest me daily, put me under house arrest, or when they arrested, they were torture, beaten. Um, and at the end, uh, you know, because the, the for, from what I have done, even though it was unknown to me, because I live surrounded by the Berlin Wall, no, no, um, you know, knowledge of what was outside of uh, uh, the Berlin Wall and what the freedom looked like many of my cases became part of the United Nations reports on human rights violations and part of United States Department of State's um, documents on violation of human rights. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I have a, a few questions before, because I, I, that's a whole new topic, but just going back a little bit, you said that the communist regime would look into people's backgrounds before allowing them to go to law school and become attorneys. One of those things was if they had Christian parents, why did they not want people who had faith in their life to be able to become lawyers? Um, to be a lawyer under socialist and communist, um, and that's, it's everywhere, and I found out this in the interrogation room, it's a privilege that the socialist government gives you to be loyal to the government and to fight against so-called dissidents. Uh, the, reason, the reason the government does not like Christians to be lawyers or judges or prosecutors is because they, uh, a real Christian is controlled only by God and the government cannot control a Christian. A Christian knows the, the Bible, knows the Lord and respect 
respect will respect and honor the government but when the government will ask you to cross the line and to worship them or to do something against um, god then you have to stand up and you have to remain on god's principle and support the consequences and not only that but when you do that you become a light in the darkness you become someone like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and people will see the power of God in you, and the government does not like that. Okay, okay. That's what I thought. Now, what also piqued my interest is you mentioned you randomly went to church after he invited you that day. And it reminded me of just so many young people will reach out to me. And as silly as it seems compared to your story, people in America are scared to even share a social media post that might expose them for being more conservative leaning or being against leftism and socialism and communism onto social media and their platforms, or they're scared to speak up in classes on college campuses, or they're scared to speak up in their social circles or at the family dinner table or at the workplace. And for me, I think a lot of people are having a hard time getting that little push that they need to just make those first initial acts of courage to start speaking out and being emboldened in their own views. Now, what was it like for you knowing that if you went to church, it would be a major uh, risk for you that first time? Can you put us in your mindset on how you made that decision to go? Like you build your physical muscles you build your faith muscles by actually standing up and walking in the way, in the way of Christ, with Christ, that what he said. Uh, at the beginning, it, it is very frightening because you might think that you are alone, but as you stand up and kindly and politely um, present your faith, or if people don't listen, you close your mouth, but you show your faith through your deeds, people will first will attack you even more. And as you in love, love your enemies or your opponents, they will push even more. And through the Holy Spirit, God will give you power to love them more until at a point where they will look at you and said, what's wrong with this person? I am, I have done everything that was possible. I have been the meanest, meanest person to this person. And she is kind to me. And at that point, people will ask you why, why are you doing this? And you have the opportunity to share your faith with them and they will be so some of them some of them might make fun of you but the majority will of them will see god in you uh, they will want to have that power that will make strong them strong and courageous as you it's a process and if you don't start now when we People just make fun of us. They are maybe here and there, they oppose us. If you wait until persecution comes, it will be too late and fear will take you down on the slippery slope. The best way right now is to take the Bible and learn who God is 
take them, trust him as his word. And when he said, do what he's asking you to do, do it and watch the miracles and the protection. You know, we talk many times about Psalm 91. That's what he promised us that he will protect us and see how God uh, will, will whisper to you, will open doors, will um, help others, Christians. And I don't know if you heard, heard the expression, if she stands up, I will stand up too. That's beautiful. That's good. I hope that that changes a few people's mind that are listening right now that maybe haven't spoken up yet to anybody out there who's who's debating on whether or not to do it. Uh, how I'm curious now. So you go to the church, you start representing and, and standing up for these churches. How long was it before the government started to target you and your first arrest? What was that like? And can you walk us through what it was like to be arrested for what thought crime for what, what did they claim that it was? First of all, I, I want to say to everyone that I am under five feet tall. And I'm I five feet tall too. <laughs> under five feet tall. And I was 82 pounds in Romania. Oh, so, I'm not 82 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can imagine that I didn't impress anyone. And at that time, the government believed that, oh, I am just someone who wants attention. They have no idea of the power of Christ in me. To be honest, I believe that at that time, I didn't know the power of Christ. I knew what God asked me to do. I had seen his miracles and powers and opening door every single time. And I believe that when you exercise that obedience, you know, um, the Bible tells us that God called David a man after his own heart. And do you know why? The Bible tells us because the God said, because David did everything that God asked him to do. So in another words, forget about your past. Forget about the your fearful yesterday. Start today and do what he, God is asking you to do. And when you do what God is asking you, he will make you a David because your desire is to do what God asks you to do. I believe that that's what God in, did in my life. And for a, a period of time, the entire time, I was, I was uh, surrounded by a secret police. At the beginning, I was not, that aware of, of that because they will um, mingle with people in the street. And as I was talking with my clients on the street, I didn't know that I was supervised. Um, they also use different kind of people. For example, um, I was um, at the stoplight and uh, all of a sudden, uh, a man, like uh, a beggar, pushed me in the intersection to create an impression of an accident. And mm. later on, I learned that the government used securitate, military forces, uh, on military forces in different ways like beggars, 
there will be uh, others dressed in uh, suits, others mingling with people and so forth, and sometimes even friends and relatives will be used for, for that. So at the beginning, I was not even aware. Um, later on, um, they will uh, they will uh, follow me everywhere at church or at um, at work. Um, later, they will come late in night in 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 my home and move the furniture oh. to make sure that I know that they were there. Sometimes oh. when I was at church, they will come and eat my food and leave the plates. I mean, the the mental uh, pressure in the beginning was in a different way that later was with arresting me and torturing and, and uh, uh, beating me. So now, how long did this go on? Was it months? The, entire, the entire time that I was in Romania. Wow. And what, what's the name of the, did they have a name like the KGB? And, and... Yes, it's called Securitate. The KGB okay. was for Romania Securitate. It was a special uh, forces that the dictator used for people like me that he will label enemies of the state because wow. I was defending Christians and human rights cases and I, and I was exposing him and I was considered an enemy of the state. Because wow. And how, how old were you at the time? Did you live alone or did you okay. have? No, I was not alone. I was married. And I want to say that I was, I, I was very young because in Romania at that time, from the time that you graduate from 12th grade, you are allowed to go directly to graduate school. We did not have a college at that time. And I was very young because I started first grade by the time I was five and a half or something like this. Mm. So by the time I graduated from law school, I was 24 years old. So when I started to defend Christians, I was 25 years old. I was very young. I was, uh, like I said, um, um, skinny and a woman, which it's nobody under socialists. It's not. It's a lie that they said. Oh, you're gonna have more rights under socialists. No, and for that reason, they thought. Oh, I will disappear in uh, uh, in few months. They had no idea about the power of God in me, who sustained me the entire time. Wow. Okay. So. What, when did they first go to arrest you? Did you do something extreme that, that pushed them over the edge or did they just slowly start to build the record of you? They started to build the record of me and they, the fact that uh, what happened is, um, is, is when God gives you an assignment, he's not gonna give you the blueprint. He's gonna give you step-by-step step and you have to trust him. And I do remember as I started, people will come with their cases, Christians, persecuted. The first thing that you do as a, as, as a lawyer, you go and find out if there is a law protecting them because under socialists, we were never taught about the human rights and religious rights. Oh. Never. 
Never. Mm. We never learn in law school. So I had to go to the library and try to figure out if I can find. But God is in charge and he will provide everything. All those laws that protected Christians and human rights that were adopted during the capitalist era were still in the book under socialists with the idea to lie to the Western world that we have them, but no lawyer uses them. But God had a specific way to do it. I'm kind of curious about this. So you grew up in that country under those circumstances. Had you ever read things like the U.S. Constitution, anything from the Enlightenment era, anything from America's founding, or even just the values of the West, classical liberalism? Did you know any of that stuff or was it pretty we were not allowed to learn English we had to learn Russian well force and we were not allowed to have uh, dollars in our home we will be arrested and put to jail uh, or gold or uh, English literature because by doing that we were not loyal to the government and we were curious to know what our enemies because america and the western civilization was labeled by the dictator as our enemies what would you like to know about uh, um, our enemies when the government tells you everything about the enemies you know if you if you want to know you are a spy so you go to jail or you disappear Wow. So can you remember anything that they had said about America? I remember hearing in Cuba that they, they called us the, the evil empire, like in Star Wars. <laughs> uh-huh. So yes. did you hear anything about America? Yes. I, I remember that they, they call evils and uh, they allowed us to watch the movie, uh, or the Dallas. And the reason, oh. yes, the reason they allowed us to do this is to show us that Americans are um, all under promiscuity. They have guns and kill each other. They oh. don't have a moral. Uh, they don't love their country to put all the things together. Look, there are some rich people with swimming pool and everything, and others are so poor and everything. Would you like to live in a society like this? Um, that was the only reason for us to to seeing that Dallas, Dallas movie. Yeah. So, wow. Well, sorry, sorry to distract. So, so getting back to your arrest and everything, when did that happen? And what was that like on that day? Uh, first of all, when they arrested me, they never said the reason for why I was arrested. They okay. never, um, they will arrest me for hours. They will beat me. And then they will ask me to clean myself up in order to go to court. So I never knew how long it's gonna be, why they arrested me and everything. Um, But God used the time that I was arrested to build the faith in in him and also, also to express God's power in me, because I remember, um, like in, a, in, in the movie, you know, there will be good guys and bad guys. 
the bad guys will hit my my head to the table my my back to the walls to the point that it was very hard for me to uh, to breathe will slap me will do absolutely everything that was possible i will be full of blood and then the good guys will say oh he didn't mean to do that just sign this paper the sign this paper that you are crazy and uh, you know everything will be okay because you you make the dictator uh, uh, you know uh, a center of attention you know and that's not right and so forth so they will do that but in all this situation god taught me something that i never thought you read in the bible and you said yeah it's in the bible love your enemies yeah but in those situations full of blood and and full of pain god whispered to me tell them that i love them and i remember looking straight into their eyes with blood on and all over me and saying i don't like what you're doing but God loves you and I choose to love you. And they will be crying, turning their eyes. They didn't know what to do. They were all strong people, six feet tall, guns around them with a desire to go up in, in their you know, rank and everything. But they didn't know what to do. I didn't hate them. I didn't say a bad word to them. And I really believe that I was there for a reason beyond my confinement there. And maybe in their eyes, only heaven I will find out, in, in their eyes, they will think she, she has more courage than we have. Yeah, you know? I, I, it reminds me, uh, there's a frequent saying throughout history that people carrying out bad deeds were just following orders. We see that today. We saw it in Nazi Germany. We saw it in the communist regimes of the 20th century. Did you get the sense that these men were just fully indoctrinated into the mindset of supporting the communist regime? Were they fully passionate and like wholeheartedly into it? Or do you think that they were chagrinningly following orders because they just thought that that was the right thing to do? I believe that they were, they were, uh, they had the desire, they were brainwashed, and they had the desire to um, be, to have even more power that they had, to show that they had power. They wanted to break me, and they wanted to please the dictator, and they wanted to be rewarded. Uh, in fact, people, as they will read my book, Saving My Assassin, my assassin, wrote a chapter in my book and he explained exactly more than i can explain in my words how the communist socialist communist government captured his mind with free stuff when he was a student and gradually he they they make a monster out of him how he uh, tortured and and killed people and how he was willing to do everything for for the dictator yeah wow. i believe i, I believe the, the young people in in america they have no idea that when they believe those um, those people that divide and want 
you know, one group to go against another and to physically, verbally or physically abuse them and everything, that will not stop there. You will become, if you follow them, you will become a puppet in, in their hands and you will do things that you never imagined that you will do in, in your life. I had seen that in so many, so many uh, people in, in Romania. And they will do not only against strangers, they will do against their own family because every time they will betray someone, there will be a badge for them that they love so much uh, the dictator or their leader that they will, uh, they will you know, so-called tell the truth about their own family. Wow. Wow. Okay. So um, from that, do you think that there is a similarity between the early behavior we're seeing in America these days and what has taken place throughout history? Is it too extreme to make that comparison or do you, are you concerned with the behavior that you see? A lot of people say, oh, it's just cancel culture today. And then you get removed from social media. I would argue it's totalitarianism and that we're seeing the removal of anybody who commits political wrong think from the public square and from positions of power now. And it really worries me. Am I right in being worried about this? I believe that the, we as Christians we have the solution to the problem okay uh, and we need to speak up we need to make sure that uh, people know that we love them before we want them to be correct or to uh, understand something if we want to help them to understand the atrocities of communists or socialists or if we want them to know god whatever we want first they have to know that where they are screaming or doing or saying different things we love and we respect them as humans and then we need to ask questions because when the dictator sent the assassin to my office to kill me, he came exactly when it was the time for my assistant to leave. So as she introduced him to my office, she left and he heard that she closed the door to my office and he pulled his jacket, took his gun and pointed to my face and said, I'm not your client, I'm here to kill you. And he started to scream. He started to say how he's gonna kill me. And he was full of joy that he will gain the, the respect of the dictator. He will be number one in his team and everything. And he was so, so, so determined to do this. And as I watched them, my knees were shaking. My heart was in my ears. I, I was thinking today it's gonna be the day. So many of my friends, so many of my relatives and even acquaintances, even enemies told me many times, stop fighting a powerful dictator, we're gonna find you dead. And I believe that there was a day I, I will be dead. And it was so much noise inside of me and outside of me screaming and everything. And I heard the whisper of God in all of this saying, share the gospel. 
And as I look at him as a human being, being terrorized, trying to find his purpose in life, I look at him and I said, he, I, I was five feet tall, under five feet tall, 82 pounds. He was 6'10 feet tall and strong like a football player. No way to fight with him. No way to wow. run away from him. So I remember looking at him and say, I know you have a job, but I want to share something with you. And I said, would you let me share? And he looked at me and said, yes. And as I shared the gospel with him, he put the gun down, his shoulders relaxed. And as I watched him, as I said the gospel, the, the gospel word by word from the Bible, I was thinking, I was seeing him melting under God's power. I have never seen that in my life. And as I watched this, I was saying, when I finish, he's going to kill me. And I forgot the gospel. And I'm, I just said words from, from my, I paraphrased. And as I paraphrased two sentences, he came up back again to, I'm here to kill you. I pray like never before in my life. And the Lord brought me the gospel and I said it word by word. And he accepted Christ right there. And I will tell you, years later, he came to Dallas, Texas to my office, because now I'm a lawyer in Dallas, Texas. I went to law school in America and I didn't recognize him. He came with a case, but I didn't recognize him until he said to me and showed me his uh, Securitate ID. He said, Virginia, don't you recognize me? And when I saw the picture, it was like, I relieved again that moment in my law office in Romania. And as I shared with him that I'm writing my book, he said, would you allow me to write a chapter? And he wrote a chapter in my book and saving my assassin. So now you have from a communist, ferocious communist, wanted to please a dictator, his point of view and exactly how socialists and communists change his life, make him a monster, but how Christ changed him into a child of God. And what God is doing with him in, in Romania, building churches and being a pastor and doing all kinds of things. Wow. It wants me to say, don't look at your opponents like powerful people. They are people looking for their identity. They believe in a wrong things that the government will give them something that will satisfy them. Look at people that are in need to find who they are, who they are in Christ, who they are as humans. And God will use you to change their lives. Isn't that amazing? that we have the solution and we can be used by God. Christians need to stand up. Even right now, during this time in America, where they make fun of us or they threaten that they will uh, take our jobs away or kids away or whatever they want to say. If all of us will stand up, 
then people will look and say the power that is in us, the love that we have for people. We don't hate people even when they, they hate us. And that's how we win for America. It's, it's true that we want representatives to be good Christians and to do good. And we want the same things for president and for uh, Supreme Court and everything. But everything starts with us, wherever God placed us. And we will change America from, you know, your job, your business, your, your school, your uh, place as a nurse, sharing the love of Christ. If people don't want to uh, listen to what we said about Christ without deeds, and America will be changed. I, God used me to change Romania. One little tiny person, 82 pounds, and a five feet tall person. I came to this country without knowing one word in English, no one dollar in my pocket, with two girls under 10 years old, and I was pregnant with my son. And as we came here, my husband was with us, and we came here shortly after that, my, my husband left us, and I have to raise my kids by, by myself as a single woman. I learned English. I went back to law school, I have a law firm, I wrote a book, my memoir that changes people's life, I go and speak everywhere. Why? Because we, I live in America and America gives a chance and an opportunity to everyone to rebuild their lives. I raised three kids. The first daughter graduated like me from Harvard Law School. My second daughter, no, my first graduated from SMU. My second daughter graduated from Harvard Law School and my son from United States Air Force Academy and serves America. That's America, the best place in the world. It's time for us to keep it the way it is and even create it more freedom. We have a responsibility, we receive so much and we need to fight for what is right and the time it's now. And for each one of us, it's not to wait for anyone else to do it. We have to do our part and if each one of us will do our part, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's not going to be maybe with pain and suffering, but at the end, it's going to be glorious because we serve a God who never lost a battle. And we are in the winning team. We might not see it now. I didn't see the winning, uh, you know, when I was in the interrogation room or beaten or tortured or under house arrest or at the point gun at my assassin when he came to my office. But at the end, it was just remember, dictator who had everything at his fingertips, money, a powerful army, everything lying to the entire, uh, you know, Western civilization. It's dead. And by the grace of God, I am alive. There is hope. And there is hope because we, there is hope in God. And this is what we go right now is just a test. 
And we have to pass that test by trusting God, by standing up in love for and showing that love to people that we don't think that are lovable. But at one point in our life, we were unlovable too. So victory is ours. We shouldn't be afraid. We should not be afraid. Oh, I love that. I hope everybody goes out and starts leading the charge now in their own ways for this, because you inspire me. I've got to say, I, I find a lot of inspiration in all of your life story. I'm 24, almost 25 right now, five feet tall. <laughs> and I actually, I always talk about how I carry a pistol on me, appendix carry, usually concealed carry for my own safety. And, and I can't imagine having a gun facing me. And even just to backtrack on what we had been talking about, young people these days in America are scared to even voice their own opinions. Meanwhile, you were having a gun pointed at your face and you still decided to speak the gospel. You still decided to double down and promote your values, even as you are facing pretty much eminent death. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And, and if you don't mind, we always try to not be just a complaining, you know, whining, frustrating kind of podcast. We always want to provide solutions and calls to action for people, what would your immediate short-term solution be for every young person out there, every American of all ages that they could do immediately today or this week? And then what's the long-term solution that you see? So a short-term and a long-term that everybody can start to act on after listening, not including your book, because I think everybody already has to go buy your book, but what's another one? <laughs> okay. Well, I will say if people want to go the, to buy the book, it's virginiaprodanbooks.com slash product slash book. Mm. Uh, if you read the book, it will encourage you so much because so many of the things that are in the book um will will give you the courage and to say oh that's exactly what uh, the 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 government is doing now first of all i want uh, people to know that socialists and communists and the leaders promoting they have years generations of training they know how to lie to you they know how to capture you, to put you in prison. I call Romania a prison land, a land of lies and a prison land. And what you have around us today is people are lying, media is lying, and they try to put us into a prison land. Prison land starts here, okay? We receive freedom in Christ. In order to combat the faith, the fear that is normal, it's a feeling, you have to exercise the freedom that you have to live under. Mm. You don't have to violate, the, violate the, the law or to be rude or mean, but you have to know the constitution, you have to know your rights, and you have to stand up when the government crosses and wants to over and when it wants to take your, um, your rights. And you have to understand, make a journal, take notes of what you did today and be grateful if you had one step and if tomorrow you have two steps back. 
be grateful of the first one and try to do it again and again. Create around you a group of friends that will support you, they will cheer you, they will be with you and not they will tear you down and say, oh, you shouldn't have said that, take that down, do these things and everything. And see how, how you will advance on this. Don't ever believe that you are by yourself alone. And if you feel alone, go to virginiapradanbooks.com and there is a section there where you can contact me and ask me any questions. I'll be happy to answer all the questions that you, you might have. In the long term, remember that nobody can take those rights from you unless you give them away. So st stop complaining that the government is taking the rights. Think and pay attention. Maybe it's you giving them away. And if you make that distinction and you said, no, I will not do this. And you make, you know, friends and people around you and be involved, be vocal, be, be part of your, um, you know, school committee or, or your job or whatever you do, because people will be encouraged by. There is a very short period of the time that we have where the, the government is still not in control to come and uh, arrest us without a warrant. That's what socialist is or to take our children away or to take your diploma away or something. Don't wait until that time be truthful to what you believe read the constitution read your rights learn about the power and and the skills that god gave you that you can use them and you will create uh, such um, a revolution around you because when people will see that you are strong and courageous others will be strong and courageous don't wait for anyone else do wow. it for yourself and even when people will be will be against you like i mentioned there will be a point where they will admire you because you know, to be strong and courageous under opposition is something really special. It's a light in the darkness. I love that. And I think courage being contagious is a very yes. popular theme that's going to continue to be a popular theme for many years to come, especially yes. in America. Virginia, yes. thank you so much for telling in us fact, your story. In my book, I, I said that uh, fear and fate are contagious. Oh, really? Perfect. Yes. In my book, I said fear and fate are contagious. And if you, if you, uh, it depends uh, what, what you are sharing around. You are sharing uh, fear or you are sharing around you, um, you know, fate that makes you strong. So um, it's, it's important for people to, to remember that, um, Yes, in fact, that's what I said. Freedom is precious to those who don't have it. You can find this on my memoir, Saving My Assassin, on page 287. Freedom is precious to those who don't have it. If the truth lives in me, lies cannot overpower me. 
If my soul is free, no power on earth can enslave me. If God gives me victory, defeat is impossible. And that's, that is true for each one of us. And because it, it is true, it is, you know, what we are called to and um, America will be a better place not by because we will keep my, our mouth shut because we'll speak the truth in love. Absolutely. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to read the book. And I know a lot of people, a lot of young girls, especially reach out to me and ask what I'm reading these days. So I'm going to be reading this book soon. I'll share the link onto my social pages. I will make sure we include the link to buying the book in the description of this podcast and the video version will be on YouTube. So we'll share that there as well. Virginia, thank you so much for your time and, and for so many really important lessons that you shared with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Morgan, I, I want to thank you so much for giving me an opportunity and others opportunities on this platform and for everything that you are doing, for the fact that you are uh, vocal, you want to speak the truth in love, and you are such an example for so many young people. And I appreciate so much what you are doing because without you i wouldn't have been here to share that so your role is important and i believe and i hope that other young people like you will take your brave example and will do what you are doing because this country and our lives and the future of america is precious and freedom is precious thank you